This is Valley Views, our weekly conversation with influential and interesting folks from around the Wet Mountain Valley. Today on Valley Views, we're visiting with Penn Parmenter, who has for some years been very passionate about high-altitude gardening right here in the valley. Penn, we're pleased to have you here, especially given the large number of people who are currently considering growing their own food. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me, Gary. Now, let me relate one of my gardening stories. When I was in elementary school and junior high in Cleveland, Ohio, in the summertime, the school had a program where you could grow gardens. And I find this amazing. They actually sent people out and looked at your garden, and if you if it passed muster, you got two tickets to the Cleveland Indians, which uh, well, which was okay back then. So uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's how my gardening started. Am I right with people staying at home uh, right now with the virus and coming into the spring? Uh, there's an uptick in folks' interest in gardening. Yes, it's unprecedented. It's uh, many seed companies are overwhelmed. Some of them even had to shut down because they couldn't fill any more orders, but I've never seen anything like it. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. The more gardens in the world, the better. I think that's right. How would you recommend someone get started? Maybe they just want to stick their toe in the water and test it out. Uh, any suggestions? Yes. First of all, we always like to advise people to start slow and to start small. You can do container gardening. You could grow a few tomatoes in a container or some greens even in a container on your deck or just build one bed and see how it goes. If you get kind of overwhelmed, sometimes people get, they give up. But if you start small and you learn, you're going to get addicted and then you're going to want to grow more and build more beds. (laughs) It always happens. (laughs) Now, I wanted to mention up front that you and your husband have a business in which you design uh, greenhouses. You have a plant business, a seed business. Give us a bit about that aspect. Yes, we are owners of Smart Greenhouses LLC, where we design and build the smartest greenhouses in the industry. Our greenhouses heat, cool, and ventilate themselves with absolutely no fuel, no input. I'll be planting my banana trees this week, and year-round, that is. And then I have a high-altitude seed company called Miss Penn's Mountain Seeds, where I am adapting seeds to this area by growing them out and saving the seeds and uh, providing them to the mountain people. And also you travel around the state and perhaps even more widely giving talk. We do. We, we not only teach at Denver Botanic Gardens, but we teach all over the region and in other states as well, all about the perils of high-altitude gardening and the challenges, especially for folks who have just moved to the West. Now, I live at 8,500. How, how about yourself? We're at 8,120. That's a pretty high elevation for growing things. I understand one of your classes, you talked about the top 10 vegetables to grow in the mountains. Give us a flavor of what those are and why certain vegetables are a success. Okay, that's a great question because there are many more vegetables that thrive in the cool mountains than that don't. It's the things that need a long, warm season that don't thrive here, like melons and watermelons and okra, those warm season things. (laughs) You you don't really think of okra in the mountains. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It can be done, but they need a little help. Um, However, all of the root vegetables, all of the greens, all of the cabbage family, that's the brassicas, the kales, the broccoli, the bok choy, 
They all love it here. Most of the herbs, especially the perennial herbs, basil being one, I would say, likes it a little warmer. Those are all absolutely love love it here. And that's a big list. The roots, the greens, the herbs, and the cabbage family. And what would you stay away from aside from the the, the few that you mentioned, any any other things? Well, you know, as a beginner, if you if you can't re- provide some kind of cover like like hoop houses or or covers that you put on and off every night, you know, the things that are long season and want Mississippi or want Minnesota, blueberries don't want to live here. They don't like our soil and our dry winters. Sweet potatoes take a much longer, moister climate than we have, mm-hmm. but regular potatoes and and carrots and beets and turnips and all of those wonderful storage foods love it here. Mm-hmm. But we, of course, have also adapted a sweet corn and a pumpkin and a winter squash that is very fast. And by saving the seed, the seed learns, and now they're getting faster and, and producing more and more over the years. So you can guide plants to do better, but everyone wants to grow a tomato. Let's face it. That's the, that's the gateway <laughs> drug to gardening. It's, it's the holy grail of the mountains is a red tomato. So we create an environment that helps them. We, give, we, we choose tomatoes from Siberia. We choose tomatoes from around the world that is in cold, high places. And then we save our seeds. And every year those tomatoes will learn and get stronger. But we also provide some kind of cover for them because we drop 40 or 50 degrees every night, even in summer. Mm -hmm. There are various aspects of the area here in terms of growing. The growing season is short. The elevation is high. Uh, You mentioned soil. Where we are, we're we're on Precambrian rhyolite, I suspect. Very thin. That's a challenging soil, I suspect. Does it take a lot of nutrients, uh, supplements? So we... We don't use a lot of supplements. We, when we first started, we were in our 20s and didn't have any money. We were living on love. Cord always says, love grows the garden, right? <laughs> you put your love into it and you can make beautiful soil. Now, the valley floor has the most beautiful, wonderful soil. That's it's true. glacial fed. It's high in mineral, but it's low in organic matter, as is all of our soil. Even the clay even the decomposed granite, we don't have deciduous tree forests here. So even though we are on decomposed granite, at the top of the mountain is where the rock is, the bottom of the mountain is where the soil is. So no matter how you choose to grow, whether you build raised beds and bring soil, bring soil up from below, or you, you dig down into the soil, you can make that soil better by adding organic matter. And organic matter is leaves and, of course, making compost. We make compost year-round. We will put all kinds of things into our compost, including pine needles, because our soil and water is so alkaline here that any amount of acid that you can add at all is going to help that pH balance. But we'll often compost it. Some folks in the valley have greenhouses or covering. Some are planting things outside how do you look at those two things? Those are kind of end members, I suspect. So. Yeah, and you know, this is a, one of the biggest mistakes is people start way too early. Whether it's because they learned from wherever they came from um, and they don't realize that we're still snowing in May, that our nights are still in the 30s. Last year, we snowed and froze all the way through June. I didn't set tomatoes out until July, finished them out through September. I took my 90 days from a different position. 
rather than June through August, I went July through September and I was lucky enough to get September. But if it's freezing and in the 30s at night, it is no time to be setting out tomatoes. So if you can seed grow those cool weather crops like spinach and kale and lettuce, but even if it gets really cold then, you got to go out and cover or reseed. As soon as disaster happens, reseed immediately. We are recording this on the week that we're going to broadcast it, which is the 1st of May, basically. What should folks be doing right now if they're just starting out? Um, I would say working on their beds, preparing their beds. We are not row planting farmers. We grow biointensively. So we prepare the soil 24 inches deep and, and we add a lot of organic matter. If you use manures, remember, whatever those animals eat comes out the other end. So if they're in a corral with a salt lick, that salt's going to come through their body and it's going to not be good for your plants. So the, an animal that eats grass and drinks water, their manure is the best. Animals that are on pelleted feed, sometimes alpacas and llamas and mm-hmm. older animals are on pelleted feed or high performance feeds. They can be full of GMOs, they can be full of salts, and that's not the best manure. But We're going to begin working on those beds, adding organic matter. We nurture the soil. We feed the soil so that we then feed the worms, and the worms feed the plants, and the plants feed us. So we have to remember to build soil. And whether you make compost or you just add organic matter, that's what we could be doing right now. And also watching the 10-day forecast. Like a hawk through all of May and all of June. Our setting out dates, our last frost dates in in this area is the first two weeks of June. So you can watch that last 10 days of May, but something can come like it did last year. And always remember, every single year and season in Colorado is different. There are no two alike. That's a good hint because we've run into that where we planted things too early. And if you look at the weather forecast, it's quite warm for the next seven days or so. But uh, something could sneak up on us, I know. Now, you've been gardening for 30 years. Is mm-hmm. that that fair? Uh, at high altitude, you've done a lot of experimenting throughout the years. What are some of the biggest failures you've had? Uh, leaving the gate open. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, rabbits get in, uh, that kind of thing? Oh, or? it's deer or elk, yeah. Oh, okay. and, uh, yeah. And if you're in an open range area, you really need to not leave the gate <laughs> open. Um, you know, one time we had the deer, we thought we could grow in harmony with the deer, and that's a big joke. I'm I'm simply joking. And they took down 50 pounds of squash in one night. Every oh, wow. single plant, every leaf, <laughs> every squash. They were laying fat on the side of the hill. They wouldn't even get up when we came over and yelled at them. We started building fence that night. Oh, that's too funny. So you need eight fence, eight feet for deer. The DOW recommends 10 feet for elk because elk will attempt eight. Wow. Yeah. Uh, what's the number one mistake that beginning gardeners make? They set their plants out too early. They don't watch the weather and they, or they try to garden the way that they learned from wherever they came from. We really have to let that go. It's not New Jersey. It's not Kentucky. It's a wild place here. And that's why we love it. And that's why we moved here. But with temperatures dropping 50 degrees every night, with wild hailstorms, dry spring wind, these things are just so hard on plants. So especially in the spring when you're just ready to get going, you've got to 
restrain yourself a little bit, hold the warm weather vegetables back, and start gradually seeding the, the cool weather vegetables. I like to start with seed on the cool weather vegetables, then plants on the cool weather vegetables, and then eventually, once it's finally settled down, sometime in early June, we're going to start planting the warm weather vegetables. Okay. Now, folks can find out more at your website, which is penandcordsgarden.com. Is there a book out there that you'd recommend uh, for high-altitude gardening, something folks in this area would find useful? I do. Um, First of all, there's the Colorado Gardener, which is a publication that's put out three times a year now. And I do write for it, but other wonderful writers write as well. And the editor and publisher of the Colorado Gardener wrote a book called Organic Gardener's Companion, Growing Vegetables in the West. And we are referred to in it many times because she's on the front range, but she has so much great information in there. This is the book we need to write. You know, we, we need to write our, our higher altitude book, um, but it's a really wonderful book. Okay. If folks have seeds left over from last year, are they still viable? Absolutely. This is something I just wrote my last article about, because especially with people not being able to get their seed orders this year, all of that seed you have, many of it will last for years and years and years. The seed companies tell you that because legally they can, they have to date their seed, but that doesn't mean it all dies on that date. It, if you've had it for a long time, yes, germination rates can go down, but most seeds will hold for 10, 15, 20 years if you keep them cool, dry, and dark, and in a steady temperature. They don't like to fluctuate temperature, and if they're cool, dry, and dark, they can last you many, many years. So rely on those seeds. They, uh, they will really help you right now. Penn, we're running short of time. What have we not hit that we should have? I would like to say that l- learning to save seeds in any way that you can, even if it's a marigold or one thing, will change your life. Not only is it economical, But seed learns and adapts to wherever it is grown, and it carries that information into the next generations. So if I've been saving a tomato for 10 years, it has 10 Colorado summers on it, which are all different, and it's learning that information. The other last thing I'd like to say is you can build a hail guard over the most precious things that you have in your garden with hardware cloth and a wood frame on stilts, and that will save you so something is left standing when disaster strikes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this is the time for uh, hailstorms hail as we move into toward the summertime. It can sure happen, and it can actually happen at any time, in the spring or in, during the monsoon. Penn, thanks for uh, visiting here at Valley Views. Oh, thank you so much, Gary. I appreciate it. We've been visiting with Penn Parmenter, who, uh, with her husband, Cord, has Smart Greenhouses LLC and Miss Penn's Mountain Seeds, She's been an advocate for high-altitude gardening here in the Valley for many years now. Uh, Hers was one of the first names I heard when I came in terms of, oh, if you want to grow something, go talk to Penn. Penn, we'll uh, have you back sometime, uh, maybe when the harvest is coming in. Thank you. I would love that. I got lots more tips. My name's Gary. We'll see you next time on Valley Views. You've been listening to Valley Views on KLZR 91.7 FM. Valley Views airs Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 a.m. and 4 p.m. and again on Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Send your ideas and comments to comments at klzr.org. 
Valley Views is produced by the volunteers of KLZR 91.7 FM. I'm walking on a rainbow with my feet on solid ground. 